I'm ready for the OC stuff. Okay. Well, we started recording. You already t pained out for a second there. So, hey yo, hey yo, what's up, everybody? It's episode 170 of I Only Like Their Old Stuff, the podcast where we answer the question, "What's the hype?" Uh, I'm Jay Ho, and with me is Grieve. Hey, yo. started it with the intro this time. Yeah, it's uh, it's a been weird. a minute since that's happened. Episode 170, man. Well, you want to know something about 170? You, you, you ought to know. What? 170 kilos is 374 pounds. <laughs> it's been a while since that happened, too. Conversion yeah, talk. That's kind of... Not that kind of conversion. Not that kind. No. Yeah. <laughs> Units of measure. This is also, uh, I guess, this is the the anniversary or anniversary episode of us relaunching the show. So that's really hard to believe. I know because that memory popped up. Uh, my Facebook memory of it popped up. So I guess it was probably about a week ago that we actually recorded that. The I, I don't even know what number it is. <laughs> I guess I should have looked that up before we got on here. But the uh, I think it was one twenty seven. 127 we're up to 170 now i think we did we yeah. did we did a better job this year than we've done in the entire history of the podcast as far as like recording we only missed a couple weeks yeah i know it was 127 because i was talking about it with somebody and i went back to try to find it because i was gonna yeah. send them the link of it and i remember it was 127 because 137 kilos is 300 pounds <laughs> It all comes back to the kilos. Yeah. The old fish scale. Um, yeah. Uh, somebody told me that somebody sent me a screenshot of us being back on Apple too. So I guess they heard that we're back. Uh-oh. I don't know. Who knows? There's Is that no, somebody, somebody I know? No, uh, it's a, Amanda. My friend, Amanda, her, Amanda and her husband, Larry have been listening on the download. Like, you know, didn't tell me till Uh-oh. they said that they were listening to the reboot and then there was too many inside jokes so they decided to go back to the beginning and listen to the beginning oh, of the show and then they kind of stopped after a while i was like yeah you probably shouldn't do that just just hang out you'll, you'll pick up on the lingo yeah. <laughs> not that original it ain't that deep. i feel bad for that for them to think that they needed to go back to the beginning yeah i feel bad for anybody this podcast though yeah but speaking of, we got some we got some nominees for number one fan. Well, Larry and Amanda's a nominee, but what's yours? Let me hear it. Well, I think that this I think we got four nominees for okay. number one fan for down low listeners. Okay. Larry and Amanda, kudos. Okay. Yep. I think Sepku dropping the passive text messages that yeah. signify that he's still listening. He has been listening. And Criado. Who texted me this week to say, "Oh, I was listening to episode 167 while walking through Brooklyn." Yeah, Criado, you know, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't heard from Criado in a while. Every once in a while, he'd pop up on my Facebook or something, but I hadn't heard anything from him in a while. So, you know, I, I just, uh, I think it was January 
I got in a Zoom call with Papo and Criado because they <laughs> wanted to debate who is the greatest basketball player of all time. Bro, bro, what were they? What were they riding for? LeBron. Um, Criado is beginning to suggest that LeBron might be a better player nah. than. Jordan. All right. He says. If you're going to draft a team, you're going to draft LeBron over Jordan. Yeah. He's been in how many finals in the past <laughs> 10 years? Like yeah, but how many has he lost, man? I yeah, don't hey, man, he said if you're drafting, though, you want to go to the finals. You got to give yourself a chance. I guess so, but like as far as like winning, if you want to win, like I mean, not like LeBron doesn't win. Also, LeBron has been given every single tool he's ever needed most of the time. There's been some times where he carry, he can definitely carry a team by himself. I'm not saying that. But yeah. there's been a lot of times where he had it easier. You know, I'm not, not interested in having the debate again. I think I had a pretty exhausted yeah, debate with Papa Criado, you can imagine. I just want to say, like, we're, we've, we went back. We're still watching that last dance. We haven't finished it yet. Jackie. Oh, my God. But, but we're, we're, I think we've got one more episode left, but I, that's a killer doc. Even me, I, there was times where I was like, man, maybe LeBron is. And then I watched that document uh, documentary and I was like, nope, <laughs> nope. Cause he is the, cause ain't nobody a petty motherfucker like Michael Jordan. And to win like that <laughs> level, you gotta be petty like that. You know, it's just, you gotta be. I, it just, the, yeah. the level of his like excellence and, you know, and his killer instinct I mean, just like, I mean, it, and it, you know, it seems like a pretty toxic dude to be around at times in his life. I think he's chilled out now, but like that level of, man, it's just incredible. Like, and LeBron just never has gotten, and I, and I have softened the LeBron over the years. I, I am willing to say he's second, you know, best of all time. Physically, he's probably, you know, there's no argument. He's just like maybe the the greatest athlete of all time in in a way from a physicality point of view, you know, but um, he's definitely in the conversation for that. But just some of those moments with Jordan just crushing people that were you know, amazing players, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, so, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get into that debate, but anyway, who are we crowning? Yeah, are we going to say all four of those are number one fans? Or are we just going to uh... say Nah, fuck them kids. Let's give it to Larry and Amanda. <laughs> all right, all right. We can give it to them. If they listen again, we'll give it to them in the future. If they, if yeah, they maybe. Yeah. yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, so shout out to Larry sorry, and Amanda. Josh. Sorry, Mikey. I ain't sorry for them. Um, number one fans, Larry and Amanda, and uh, runners up, Seth Q and Criado. Um, and then peace be runners, with runners up. Runners, yeah, <laughs> eternal runners up. Mm-hmm. We just put them in the pantheon for being runners up. Josh Grizzles and Mikey, the the second theon, <laughs> the second theon. <laughs> well, What's the latest, man? What's the uh, just you know, just whatever. Look who has a new ficus. <laughs> There was a lot of wordplay in this this OC episode. There was a lot of wordplay. Um, it's a new era. It's a new era. New era. New era. New era. New era. 
Yeah. <laughs> Do you think New Era sponsored that show? They should have. I think it's a missed opportunity. I didn't see any yeah, flat totally. bills on there. So, did see a giant ass beret, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, what's up with you? What's going on? Uh, I'm ready to get into this. I I got limited time. I got to get back to work. We're recording on Monday, not All Sunday. Right. So here I am. And usually I take a nap right now, but I'm luckily I'm not that tired. I'm I'm really happy to. I'm actually I'm happy to see you. I'm looking forward yeah. to hearing what you have to say this week. I'm, I'm in a generally good mood, which is not, <laughs> not all that common. Recently. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad for that. I'm happy. I'm sorry to give, sorry you're giving up your nap time. I know how important it is. It's a, uh, I oh, too, I'm tired yeah. actually. I'm more tired than you are. So yeah. just, well, we've had meetings where I talk about how tired I am. T- yeah. <laughs> Who is the most tired? Um, <laughs> I've been dragging since I got that vaccine, man. I'm not saying it's because of that. But I'm just yeah. tired, man. I'm saying that Bill Gates up in my veins weakening me. Bill Gates, what's your uh, what's your hype? My hype is uh, graphic novels. We've gotten mm. back into graphic novels pretty heavy for our uh, for our wedding. For when we got married, we uh, Jackie and I both put a bunch of graphic novels on our registry because we were like we have a lot of houseware stuff, but we were like. Um, we would like to build like a graphic novel library of graphic novels that we would want to read over and over again. Like, you know, we, we both own a copy of Watchmen already. You know, I was into swamp things, stuff like that. Some of the great runs of comic history. And so we put a bunch on there and our friends hooked us up and got us a bunch of them, including you got us that Akira set. And, uh, we got them all on a shelf now. And, uh, I've been reading through them. I'm reading this, uh, one saga right now. It's called saga. And uh, it's pretty interesting. It's like a fantasy Star Warsy kind of thing, but um, it's really good. And I was like, "Damn, I miss reading comic books." Because like when the movies came along, comic movies, I just kind of got out of reading comic books. I don't know why, but like I substituted comic books with watching the comic book movies. Yeah, but it's cool to pick up a comic book and read it. And you know, granted, like um, I don't want a bunch of comic books in my house. That's why I like the graphic novel stuff and the collected editions. But there is something to be said about like I used to subscribe and go to the shop and get my get my books for the week, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I never really got into reading comics like that, but I was always kind of like, ah, oh, man, I really want to. I just never did. Yeah. And um, and I had friends that had subscriptions, and they'd go on what day was it? Wednesday or was it Friday? I think it was like Wednesday. I think they came in on yeah. Tuesday, and then they'd stuff them in your box, and you get them on Wednesday. So. Yeah. yeah. The um. The the thing the funny thing was I I follow a couple you know a bunch of different people on Instagram and somebody the other day this is like a an account with like you know I don't know tens of thousands of followers I don't even remember it's like a you know meme slash aesthetic type of account and there was a picture of that patch that came in the box set of the Akira mm-hmm. graphic novel. Yeah, and it was, it. you know, it's, it's the pill. It says what good for, good for you, bad for health or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I responded to that story. It was on an Instagram story. And I was like, where'd you get that patch? Cause I was like, I want that fucking patch. <laughs> and then they said, Oh, it came in the box set of the graphic novel. And I got so pissed. I was You're jealous like, all over it. again. I'm like, <laughs> it's like one of those things where you get a gift from somebody else. That's how you know it's a really good gift. You like, jealous of them for getting it you're rather like, than you yeah get... you're like man there's a world where i would just keep this yeah. i would the thing is i'll leave you 
I just want that patch. Well, I'll send you the patch. That's cool, man. No, don't send me the I'll patch. No, I, I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna take. I know take back some it's gifts. Still, you know it's still in the box. I got that box is sweet, but you can't leave the books in it because the way it opens is too hard to get them in and out, like without fucking it up. Well, not not fucking it up, but it would just be impractical to like open it every time. So we just put the books on the shelves and I put the box on the top, but it's got the patch inside it. That box set is sweet. I, that's one that I'm like saving. I've read the first book of Akira, but I never read further than that. Um, but I want to finish the saga thing first, and then I might move on because that's one I'm just gonna want to like read through the whole thing. And I think it's gonna take a while because yeah. there's a lot. It is like I think it's like seven volumes or something, and they're they're big, big volumes. And uh, yeah, some of the anime, uh, not anime, uh, manga stuff is dense. Even Akira is pretty accessible, but still because of the translation and the fact that it was originally written in Japanese, it's just a little bit, you got to like pay attention, you know, but yeah, I'm excited. Well, that's dope. But, uh, yeah, I mean, cool. so you're going to have a little graphic novel library. Yeah. Yeah. We are. We are already on our way. We got, you know, pretty nice little selection. I already had a couple and Jackie had a couple and then, you know, we got like 10 or so other books from people for, for our wedding and people were like, so oh, people oh, smoke you like- put the what? If people smoke cigars and pipes in their mahogany lion libraries in their mansions, yeah. what, what are you going to have? Like a vape pens and hookahs? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a nice vape pen with the cotton candy vape in it, maybe. Yeah, totally. Candy, it's bro. not even going to be one of those like little jewels. It's just going to be one of those really big cartridges. It looks like a fucking Game Boy. Oh, yeah. It looks like a robot dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get me one of them. Really some fat clouds. With a Z. <laughs> Name another industry that blew up so fast and then disappeared as if it was water vapor yeah. from the atmosphere just of our as, consciousness. Yeah, exactly. I've said this used to, I saw on YouTube that like people would have like billow smoke competitions with vape pens. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, it was uh, to see who could blow the fattest cloud. It's ridiculous. Uh, I was really sad. I found out recently that the 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 vape store near my house, um, I could walk to it if I fell on hard times and needed to go get some vape. It was called Darth Vapor, <laughs> which I just almost ran off the road the first time I saw the sign. I was just like cackling, you know. But now they've changed it to like uh, cool vapes or something. And I was like, why are you going to change the name from Darth Vapor, perhaps the greatest name of a store of all time, to cool vapes. You think they got hit with that season desist letter from <laughs> Lucasfilm? <laughs> Not from Lucasfilm, just George Lucas himself. He got so much time on his hands, he was just like, he wrote him a hand handwritten letter that said, y'all cut that shit out. You know, the funny thing is, I'd be more intimidated by Disney than if George Lucas sent me a letter. I'd be like, fuck yourself, fuck you, man. George Lucas. You don't own that shit no more. You sold that shit. I'll fight George Lucas right now, I'll tell you that. I'll fight him right now. Um... So my hype, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Well, I don't know that I can't believe I'm saying it. You always hear people talking trash about going to kids' birthday parties. Yeah. But I went. I went to my very first child's birthday party. I think in my in my entire life. Yeah. Yesterday. Uh, number one fan, Kyle. Yeah. His son just turned one. Yep. And I went to their house and got to watch the 
His son play with the smash and cake, which is like a thing that you do now. You yeah. get like a cake that the kid is supposed to mess up. Yeah. It was, I, I'm kind of surprised it took people this long to realize that that's a good idea. I guess so. I mean, I miss the old days where I got yelled at for eating my cake, you know? But whatever. <laughs> these kids are soft these days. They don't know how it is to be one years old and get yelled at for putting your hand in the cake. Don't touch the cake. <clears throat> We're going to put this really colorful, tasty thing right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yours, but we will dictate how you consume it. Give him the stick. Don't give him the stick. Don't give him the stick. <laughs> yeah, but so it was like, I don't know, there's probably 30 adults there. And I think there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 75 children. <laughs> That's a lot of kids, man. <laughs> That's like Man, I was—I felt like the only person there that didn't have a kid. I mean, I—I I, I walked away with three kids. I don't know. You're I mean, I'm like, taking care of them. They now, were just but... giving them away. They were like, "Here, take one with you." Yeah, it's crazy, man. I knew everybody there, and like I—I I guess I just didn't realize that just like everybody I know has a kid now. Yeah, that's true. You get to a certain age, everybody do have kids. All my friends have kids. So. <laughs> Man, people be having Man, kids. You're one of the only that's ones that true. doesn't. Me, you know, me and you, the only ones left. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but it was fun, man. It was cool. It was chill. I mean, I think I was chilled out because I didn't have any kids. Yeah, you didn't. And you got to walk away from that at the end. Be like, well, that was fun. <laughs> well, like I said, I took three kids with me. I'm <laughs> yeah. taking care of Sarah, Allison, and Chet. Yeah. Um, you Chet. know, yeah. name's a kid, Chet. Chet. I don't know. Just rename There's a lot of there's a lot of kids like kind of I mean there weren't that many kids there, you know, it wasn't 75, but it was it was it felt overwhelming sometimes. They were man, they were just out in the yard just living their best life, yeah, just, just tackling each other and just throwing shit at each other and just eating cake. And it was, it was I mean, it was cool. I was I was just laying back in the cut, eating some barbecue, talking to adults, and none of the kids, man, the kids don't like me, man. They don't. They were all. They're all scared of me. That they're surprises just like, me, man. I figure stare like, at me. Kids, kids love to hang out with me. Like they want to come. And be, if I'm at the party, at the birthday party for the kids, they're like, "Hey, what's up? You got any, you got any games on your phone? <laughs> you got any games on your phone? <laughs> I'm like, Why you want to talk to me, man? It's all these people here. Like, okay, well, cool. most of these kids are like. I mean, most of these kids are between one and three years old, so yeah. they don't even know they, about games on phones yet. They weren't. They weren't to that point. Yeah. Even little yeah. babies like get excited while I'm, they're like, "Oh, I guess I look weird or something." They're like, but not in a scary way. So they're like, "Oh, well, you don't, yeah, you don't have a big old beard." Yeah, I, think, I guess the beard. You know, I mean, beard scares dogs too, right? So babies and dogs, maybe not. Babies and dogs, man. I don't know. Most dogs like them. Yeah, I don't know. What's not the hype? Uh, my not the hype is uh oh I I just want to say I told his kid better not think he's better than me it's just because he had a birthday, you know. Yeah, Kyle. Um, yeah, you, you tell your kid, settle down. I'll fight a baby. I don't care. I'll do it. I'll fight George Lucas. I'll fight a baby. Um, <clears throat> my not the hype is uh. You get a, you get a, your left hand three sizes too big. You punch that baby right in the <laughs> that's face. That's why I got I got the the hitting hand for that then that three size. I I chose correctly. Um. <laughs> My uh, not the hype is uh, so they <laughs> Wizards of the Coast that makes Magic the Gathering, which is owned by Hasbro. 
announced this week that they are completely dismantling the pro system for Magic. So there will be no Magic Pro professional Magic players anymore. They've said the they came out and said categorically the pro lifestyle is dead. You will not be able to make a career out of being a pro Magic player. They canceled their so a couple years ago, they kind of gutted all their like systems to make this thing called the Magic Pro League, which was like the top 25 in the country or the world actually. And then they did all this esports stuff, like you know, trying to make it like an esport and all this shit. And then they had another another thing called the Rivals League, which was people trying to get into the Magic Pro League. All that's over with. So they fired all those people this week. They're gonna like pay them out for the rest of their contracts, which is like 12 more months or something. But they were like, it's not going to go on after that. So, like, the way that I, like, like, this whole section of magic that has always been there since I started playing the game in, like, 94 is gone. And they're still going to have competitive magic, they said, but they didn't really, they were, like, came out like, yeah, we don't know what that's going to be. We don't have a plan yet. We're trying to work on it. Which is like, what the fuck? Why did you announce this and you don't have a plan for what's going forward? Now, it doesn't affect me directly because, like, I had no aspirations to be a professional Magic player or anything. Liar. But there was always the chance that you could qualify for the tournaments that those pros would be in and you could play with them, you know? Um, so there was, like, kind of like a lower level of pro that was semi-pro that you could make the thing. And that's kind of gone now. So it'll we'll see how it affects the game overall. I think it could be... I was really bummed out about it because it could, like, really affect the game negatively overall. But, you know, whatever. It's just things change. I mean, I like that you said that you never had any aspirations to be a, a pro magic player, but I I firmly believe that sometimes when you go to sleep at night, you think about what it would be like. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody that's passionate about something like that thinks about it at some point in time. There was an avenue for me to potentially, in a, in a very small window of me to be able to do that, up until a couple years ago when they changed this whole system because it was almost impossible to get into the pro league. But to go to the pro tour, which they changed the name of the pro tour and like all this shit. And like, there's a hall of fame that they took all the invites from. Like they've done a bunch of shit to like fuck up the dream, I guess. And that was always the thing that drove people. Like people go to local contests. Cause if you won a local contest, you got to go play with the pros of the pro tour, you know? Yeah. So now it's like, well, that drives that sort of carrot and sticks not going to be there. Um, and you know, the company's making record profits, so it's like, okay, well, fuck us, I guess, for liking this game or whatever. But I mean, it, oh, it, it, it compares to, it would compare to like disc golf. I mean, even oh, I, sure, sure. even I know the pros of disc golf, like some of them, a handful. I know Ken Climo's name, uh, granted he's not relevant yep. anymore or whatever, but I mean, he's the Michael Jordan of yeah. disc golf. You know, well, it, I, I mean, that's debatable. I, I'll have to get a we'll get Grizzles on and yeah, we can I have mean, that debate. There's an argument for LeBron being the best uh, disc golf player <laughs> yeah, of all time. I know he's, I think Paul Macbeth is probably going to be named. To, I mean, I think most people think Paul Macbeth is the goat when it comes to disc golf now. Okay, well, there you go. Yo, can I tell you, Paul Macbeth just signed a $10 million contract with Discraft. Holy shit. yeah, that's great. People are like. Ah, this golf can't be that. What do you, as a pro, you make what ten thousand dollars a year? I'm like motherfucker, ten million dollars over ten years. Yeah, that could shows you comparison to the size of Magic, because like, uh, Magic, the Magic pros were getting paid seventy thousand dollars a year, and that was too much for Magic to pay them supposedly. So I, you know what's crazy is that um, 
the the I, it makes me wonder about it about because the professional disc golf association is not the one paying these professionals to play yeah they are organizing tournaments with payouts but the guys that are professionals are are making a living off their sponsorships really i mean right. they'll win money in tournaments you can win you know upward of 20 grand one tournament first place is 20 grand most tournaments are not that much payout but yeah i mean there's you know, like you there's magic tournaments where you can win 50 grand you know but yeah, but the thing yeah, is, the, I mean, I guess my question is like moving forward, I wonder if rather than the people that make the cards sponsoring directly uh, professional players, like if they're still just big purse tournaments and if those pros maintain. Yeah, there will be because there are outside circuits like there's a Star City game circuit, Channel Fireball does their own circuit kind of thing. So there are these big tournaments, but those tournaments have their own like mid tier level pros. Because the professional Magic players just didn't fuck around with playing in those tournaments because it wasn't uh-huh. it wasn't enough money for them, but those places will probably take up the slack of this um, and yeah. do more. I mean, it's a little it's a little bit of not a good comparison to disc golf because disc golf is a game that has fifty manufacturers right of disc golf. So there's probably two hundred manufacturers of disc golf disc. Magic is the only person company that makes you know Wizards is the only it's one company making all the cards. So you don't have all these separate entities fighting for like, it's harder to get sponsorship money in that way because it's like, well, come play our cards. Well, no, you come use yeah. our, our card sleeves and deck boxes, but it's not the same, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to say, I guess maybe that's a, there's a limit to how lucrative it can be, but they're making record profits. They also own D and D and they made a shit ton off of D and D last year. So Oh yeah, everybody is sitting at home playing Zoom. Yeah, that for sure. But it's a weird thing. They, they, you know, I always use the term stepping on rakes. They just that company just steps on rakes all the time. They had a tournament last weekend that I played in, and they had to refund everybody because the server stopped working about halfway through, and everybody's pissed off. And then this weekend yeah. they had a qualifier tournament for the Pro Tour, like the big the Mythic Tour or whatever, and they told everybody to bring a certain type of deck register a certain kind of deck and everybody did and then they accidentally set the tournament to be a different format so they needed a different kind of deck and then they told the people that they told everybody to keep playing anyway but then halfway through they were like yeah we're just gonna reset everything it's like okay well this isn't a small like indie company this is like you made 400 million dollars on this last year so what the fuck is going on and you just fucked all this shit up with you just like shit on everybody this week and then last weekend you had a problem it's just I don't know. We've talked too much about this. But. You know, that, I, well, no, it's fine. And I'm going to keep talking about it too much because I'm going to bring it back to disc golf. Yeah. It's not the same fuck up, but it's, it's, it's similar in the sense that, so I watch all the, you know, every weekend is a big tournament mm. and, you know, I keep up with it via these different um, disc golf media groups that, you know, package the tournaments just like the golf channel and they put them on YouTube and this tournament that is, just finished um this weekend out in california it's called the otb tournament and i think it stands for only throw bombs it's like the far longest disc golf course yeah. for the for the pro tour this year there's a hole that's 1200 feet yeah 
And there's another one that's like a thousand feet, you know, for context, people, most, most people are throwing on holes that are 250 to 350 feet. Um, and on the 18th hole, there's it's a gorgeous fairway. Like yeah. most of these fairways on this disc golf course are very low hanging trees, but really, really long. So you got to throw, throw these really gorgeous shots, a lot of rollers being thrown. Um, but there were these three trees that formed this tunnel. And it's a triple mandatory to go through those trees that you have to go through those trees in order to make it right. But in the tournament book, they did not list the triple mando, even though everybody that throws on this course, they know that it's a triple mando because it wasn't listed. You've got these guys throwing like, I don't know, 500 feet up into the air over these trees to get past the trees, to not even mess with it. And they, they it's so funny because the commentator's like, yeah, they broke the hole. Because wow. it wasn't listed, they broke the hole. And it made me think of you and like, because you often talk about games being broken, like this yeah. level's broken or that game that gets broken. And it's the same kind of thing happening in real time. Like it was the feature, like the, the first round is always just a feature card. Like who yeah. are we gonna follow for this card? Because we don't have a leader card yet. And so they were like, yeah, apparently it wasn't listed in the book properly. So everybody's throwing over this hole. And it was, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's one hole. It's not that, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Everybody can throw over these trees. But it was fun in one sense. It was fun to see these players be like, you know what? You didn't list it. So we're going to go over these trees. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's why it's so important to be very precise with rules and of a game because players are always going to look it's the same way in surf kayaking and or, or kayak racing anything else i've been involved with they're going to look for a loophole you know and it's like you got to be very clear with your rules and that it, it it creates an unfortunate situation where there's like okay well all the guys threw over the trees but a couple of them didn't because they thought that that was in the rules which it wasn't and like then it's not fair to them but then it's like well what do you do like it wasn't in the rule like i don't know it creates a mess yeah well it's, like, it's funny and speaking of grizzles being second second place in the second yeah, theon yeah. he's really into f1 racing now yeah um and that's like the number one thing in f1 racing is like trying to break the rules by out engineering the rules yeah and it's really crazy to um, to get into that or to like follow it because it's that's all that's happening. And then other teams are lodging complaints, and then there's this body that decides whether or not um, you know uh, you've got I don't know, like I don't you know. It's like is it is it breaking the rules or is it a part of the game to try to break the rules? Right. Yeah. And it seems like an F one. It's a part of it. It's like yo, you didn't explicitly say we couldn't do this, so we're gonna do this until you say we can't do it. Yeah, that's interesting. I yeah, don't particularly man. like that kind of gameplay. That's not my style. Yeah. Is a is like a sportsman. No. But I have a healthy respect for when it's the culture of the sport itself for people doing it. Yeah, I guess if it's agreed upon and it's kind of like allowed, then it's I don't know. It's it, it, I'm a bit I like to have rules in games and stuff because I think that like that allows me to actually prove that I'm the best, not that I can figure out the rules and be a rules lawyer. You know, it's like I like to yeah. actually follow the rules and do it the proper way, I guess. But I don't know. Everybody's different. Every sport's different. But yeah, it's. I mean, if you could imagine, what if, what if all the pro, the the disc golf pros, the top ones that you know, all of a sudden they sent out a statement that said all those people are we're not going to pay them. No, none of their sponsors are paying them any money, and they're no longer disc golf pros. 
that's how that announcement was this week for us with yeah. Magic. You know, it was. That, like, I don't oh, even shit. understand it. I don't even get it. I guess it's just the board just wants more money. Like that's all I can think of. They felt like. So they like, were, how are you going to grow your sport? They think that like they're like they look at it and they go, oh, the casual players that play the casual formats like Commander. They're the ones that spend the most money, and it's like, yeah, but there's this trickle down effect from them seeing these pros or knowing who they are or whatever. Like, you think they don't know who they are, but people who are interested in it pay attention to it. And yeah, they're not the top level people aren't spending much on magic because they don't have to. But the, you know, I don't know. It's just short sighted. It's like everything corporations just ruin everything. Anything fun or interesting or, you know, inspiring or anything, corporations just eventually. Uh, not not every corporation, but a lot of them, especially in these sorts of spaces like games and stuff, just kind of crush all that for the bottom line, you know. Which I mean, that's it's yeah. it's the goal of a company to make money, you know. So I get it. You can't just you know throw money away. But I don't know. What are you doing? I'm preparing for the next. Uh, the hype's still out. Uh, okay. <laughs> Well, we can get into that. Ha- I'm done bitching about Wizards of the Coast. So. I have in my hand yeah. an item. I'm going to read. I'm just going to read from the back. Yeah. <clears throat> okay? Yeah. I have a package. Oh. About uh, Garrett quotes double G girthy. Garrett girthy, a top professional disc golf champion. <laughs> has been passionate about beef jerky since a child. His family recipe provides a juicy, tasty treat to all those who love his all-American snack. His humble beginnings and large family upbringing has inspired him to found the Double G Children's Foundation to provide youth of all ages with contributions, attention, instruction, and participation in disc golf and inspiration to succeed. I have in my hand beef jerky from... A professional disc golf player. That's You're a double G jerky. I'm still out, man. I mean, I love jerky. I do love jerky. Might be good. I bet that bag costs about two thousand dollars, didn't it? No, it was, I think it was at eight bucks a bag. Yeah, beef jerky ain't cheap, man. Beef jerky's expensive. It is expensive, and it it seems like you get like two pieces in a bag these days too. It's it's this kid, this kid. You you should you should you should Google Garrett Gurthy, G U R T H I E. He throws bombs, and he looks like the most obnoxious University of Florida frat boy. <laughs> nice. His outfits, his outfits are all like monochrome, like all teal yeah. or all pink, and he's got the thinnest of all chin straps, yeah. and he's got, you know, these huge glasses of flat, speaking of flat bill hats, flat you know, bill he's hat. just out there being Sounds a bro, like just t- throwing bombs, bro. Yeah, bro. Shouts. I just, you know, I, you know, I, I'm a sucker, man. I'm a sucker for advertisements. I was watching some disc golf coverage, and it, he's got his advertisement for his jerky. And I was at, I was playing doubles the other week, and we were talking about like who, who, if you could play around with any disc golfer, who would it be? And you know, and I was, some guy was like, ah, oh, double G, man. I got this jerky. It's delicious. Yeah. And so that had already <laughs> been planted in my head. I got you know, jerky. but hype's still out. I mean, how good can beef jerky be? How bad can it be? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that, I guess I've never had truly bad beef jerky. 
I do like beef. I generally am excited to eat beef jerky in whatever format it is, you know. But I'm gonna I'm gonna mail one of these packages to Papo. Just get a review. <laughs> well, Papo's been getting back into disc golf, and he loves uh, Garrett Gerthy because yeah. he's a Florida boy. Yeah, I've seen I've seen him yeah. post some some pictures and stuff of him playing disc golf. Yeah. Well, What's cool. your hype still out? So we got this local music venue that I've been sending you updates on. <laughs> they built this local music venue here. Um, and out to Wilmington, where I live, has been like a desert for uh, mid to large level music acts because for decades, House of Blues in Myrtle Beach, an hour and a half south, has had a... Uh, has had like a non-compete thing where they can, bands are are forbidden from coming to Wilmington because they want people to go down to Myrtle Beach to go see them, you know. So we that sounds so Myrtle Beach. Oh yeah, it, and it sucks because it's like it's not like we were ever gonna have like U two is not gonna come play in Wilmington, but like bigger. I like that that's your example. Bigger. Well, I'm thinking of like a big, a big name band like Rolling Stones, something like that. They're not going to come here and play. This is not possible for them to play here. But you have bigger bands that I would want to see. I mean, potentially Modest Mouse could come here, you know, um, a band like that. But they, they're they not going to yep. because Ticketmaster's got an embargo on it and all this shit. Well, Ticketmaster has the, – the city sold the rights to this, sta- this place to Ticketmaster. And now Ticketmaster's coming in and taking over our, our – really nice little we have a little amphitheater that gets small regional acts and um stuff that's it's a cool place and the radio station is the one that has always managed that but now Ticketmaster's taking it over so they're gonna fuck that up too um and now we've got this big quote-unquote big venue and the first couple bands that have been announced number one was widespread panic like they're doing four nights here i think three nights they're doing three nights every night they already sold out. Um, and then <laughs> I got a notification today that 311's coming here. So there you go. It's like they listen to the podcast. What? I might, maybe I'll need to come on down and we can go see that show together. What? The widespread panic? 311. Nah, man. 311. Good luck getting tickets. Widespread panic <laughs> sold out. And like, so basically, what's going to happen is, and I told Jackie this, I was like, nobody should get excited. Nobody local should get excited about going to see a show because everybody from like Raleigh and stuff bought all the tickets up. And so the tickets for widespread panic were gone immediately. They didn't even hit the public hardly, but for seconds now they're, they're on luckily Ticketmaster has their own reseller site. So the tickets are like $270 for lawn seats for widespread panic. Um, man, that's absurd. I'm, and I'm not exaggerating. That's like 270, probably 200. You could get them for, but like two, I saw 250 for a bunch and these are lawn seats, not, further up like it's like a thousand bucks to get like and people are thirsty to go back to concerts yeah they are but and and i guarantee you it's like there's no probably nobody local got tickets it's everybody from out of town is just gonna come here and go to widespread panic you know but i would go see 311 i would go see 311 they're coming in september i think but um i don't know like i said the tickets won't be available because they're they're too popular to have tickets available you know well, whenever they go on sale, I'll just consider coming down, down. Down, down, down. <laughs> uh, good. They're going on sale Friday. We can try to get some. Yeah, all right. What do you think it's soon? Uh, so I've been reading that saga graphic novel, watching The Last Dance. Um, and uh, I went down this rabbit hole with music 
uh, continuing my '90s, you know, world tour. Uh, I was watching Oasis live Oasis clips <laughs> from old school Oasis concerts. I don't know why I never was super into Oasis. I loved that album. What's the story of Morning Glory, which was the the, the one that has Wonderwall on it. I was it, I, that came out when I was a senior in high school, and I was I adored that album. And then I was like listening to some of their stuff, and I was like, man, Oasis is actually pretty good. And I went back and watched a bunch of uh watched a bunch of interviews with they are just ridiculous human beings. The the two uh, the Gallagher brothers, they're just yeah. insane people. Watched a bunch of videos of that, and then watched some live shows from them from back then, and. uh you know, and then that got me into watching old clips of the Cure live shows. And then I watched. I was like, I want to see what the Cure sounds like now because they're they're a big touring act. They they tour a lot and they do like three hour shows like every night. And I was like, I bet Robert Smith smells sounds like shit now. And uh, the lead singer Robert Smith of the Cure. Um, and I watched the show from like two years ago and I was like, holy shit, he sounds better than he did back in the nineties. It's no amazing. Way. I was like, how does how is that like? Because so many other acts that I like that have aged, they just don't. Their voices are shot, you know. Yeah, he sounds yeah. perfect, man. It sounds just like on the album. It's amazing. I was watching a bunch of clips, and I've always been a Cure fan too. Um, not enough to like. Probably, I mean, I would go see them if I had the opportunity, but I've never sought it out. But yeah, I was uh, that was interesting. And then um, we watched my cousin Vinny comedy. Yeah, the Utes. The Utes, um, which that's a movie that I, I don't think I've ever seen start to finish, but I think I've seen the whole thing. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because I think that it's been on when I turned to HBO and watched it for thirty minutes enough no, times. It was TBS. Life. TBS. Whatever. <laughs> I've seen it, or people have quoted it, so I knew everything from it. But it it it, it holds up. It's really funny. And uh, Marissa Torme won an Oscar for supporting actress for that movie. And she's pretty yeah, for great. All in seven it. minutes of screen time. Yeah, yeah, but she's great in it. She's fantastic in it. Um, Ralph Macchio's in it. You know, it's like a it's a funny movie. It's, it holds up. I had one of those experiences. It was after I moved to Rhode Island. Um, I was like, you know, hanging out with a buddy. We were weight weightlifting together, you know, hours on end, weeks on end. And it came out that I'd never seen that movie. And he, he had his mind blown. This kid yeah. was like 21 at the time. Yeah. He was a lot younger than I was. And he's like, this is like, this is like a classic movie. You have to see this movie. And I was like, yeah, maybe one day, like whatever. And the next day, he brought a DVD and he was like, I want you to have this. I need you to watch this movie. And I had the same experience you did where like I sat down watched the beginning and I was like, that was a really, that was a really good time. That was a fun movie. Yeah. It's it's smart. It's got a, apparently the guy who directed it was a lawyer and he was like, I want this to be accurate. So Jackie said that she like, she looked research and stuff after we watch it. She's like, yeah, people actually show this in film school as like, I mean, not film school in law school as like, Hey, this is a movie that actually gets the law, right? Like the way that they, uh, they do the certain processes and stuff. So it's, it's taught in some curriculums actually. It's like, you know, so it's just interesting. But, uh, and that movie was, uh, well regarded when it came out cause it got a bunch of Oscar nominations and other award nominations and was kind of a critical darling. So, um, but yeah, it holds up. Actually, man. Watch it. Yeah, man, that, that dude's a great actor. Um, yeah. Just amazing. And then the other thing I'm watching is this uh, on Speed Eddie, our friend of the show, Speed Eddie's uh, recommendation, this show Mythic Quest on Apple. You're familiar mm-hmm. with it? No, it's if it's on Apple, nobody's familiar with it. Yeah, it's Apple Plus. Well, you watched that one thing, Ted 
Lasso. Yeah, Ted Lasso. I was sitting in my right? sister's house. You don't have Apple? You don't got the Apple Plus? No, I don't have Apple. I, you, oh, no, no. You get it free for a year for having an iPhone. Yeah, I have not turned it okay. on. Well, anyway, Mythic Quest is by the guys that did uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, oh, really? It's uh, Rob no, Delaney and yeah, Rob Delaney's the lead on it. But um, what's his name writes for it too? Charlie Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think I remember them talking about this because it was two of the three. Actually, right? it's not um, Rob Delaney. Rob what's, McElhaney. Rob McElhaney. My, Rob McElhaney is the lead, and he's the lead. He's one of the main characters in the show. Charlie Day's not yeah. in it, but he writes for it too. Um, it's a it's a little bit office esque. It's not really a mockumentary, but it's about a game studio that makes a World of Warcraft. Essentially, it's like what mm. it it's the biggest MMO in the world or whatever. And it's about them developing this, and it's one of the main characters is the the person that codes it. Danny Pudi from uh, Communities yep, community. in it. He's like the 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 sinister marketing manager guy. And then uh, Jiminy Rickett, the guy that played Jiminy Ricketts on uh, Always Sunny, yeah. is is the uh, the fuck up project manager that's like in charge of it all. And then Rob, it plays this. Uh, he's the genius behind the game. Uh, his name's Ian. Grim, but he goes by Ian Grim. Call me Ian. And it it's it's it took me a little while to get into it, but it's they're thirty minute episodes. They're real bite sized, but it's pretty funny. There's a lot of like gaming culture jokes that could be horrible, but they're actually really funny. Um, like the the biggest uh, the biggest streamer like is uh, this thirteen year old kid named Pootie Shoe, and he's always like telling them that they suck on his stream and stuff and like. <laughs> all this shit there's all this like they get really mad they're getting mad at this like 13 year old kid you know named pootie shoe yeah and it's you know his his whole stream is just like him making fart noises and stuff while he plays the game um right. <clears throat> it's pretty funny it's pretty creatively written and it had an episode recently that was like i think the the best written thing i've seen in forever it was a side episode that sort of didn't have anything to do with the main plot it kind of ties in at the end but it's about this husband and wife that make a video game in the 90s and their sort of progression through their life together. And it's the guy that was in it is that guy that was in the new girl that's in stuff that's kind of funny. What's his name? You know who he is. He was in that movie that I shit on, Digging for Fire. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. You know you know what he looks? He's that I one know, of them. That guy. I know who he is. Oh, yeah, I'm looking up here. But I don't know. It's like, God, this is a really cool podcast. Yeah, it's material. really good. Yeah. This is, uh, this is, he was on The New Girl. He's one of the main characters on The New Girl. Yeah. Don't I don't know the, his name. What is his name? Is it Jake Johnson? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's Jake Johnson. Anyway, it the, the series is worth watching. You could just watch that episode by itself and not have to watch any of the rest of it. But it is, uh, it's pretty funny overall. And they just came out with season two like yesterday or something. So. Anyway, is it worth it? Is it worth starting my one year membership, uh, free membership to Apple? I think so. I mean, it, I watch it when I'm going to bed at night. It doesn't require much of me, but it's, I think it's really interesting and funny. And there's some good jokes in it. Um, you know, I, I would, I, I would suggest it. I've still got that Apple, Apple Plus like email in my inbox, just like waiting. I'm like, I'll pull the trigger when there's something on there that I know I have to see. 
Yeah, I mean, you could wait until that Ted Lasso two comes out, I guess, or whatever. But I, I think That's you could. Thinking about, I think you go ahead and use it, man. Mythic Quest is funny. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Don't tell me how to live. All right, don't don't watch the good thing. All right, what's what's your consuming? <laughs> I just went on forever. So, uh, the new J Cole album. Have, yeah, have I, want, you, I wanted to talk about you, that. I wanted to talk about you that. You did. Yeah. So I kind of generally now I don't I don't know who listens to our podcast is like a fervent J. Cole fan. Right. And I'm a little bit concerned that I might upset some people because J. Cole fans are a different breed. Oh yeah. But there it is the yeah. It's it's I like have J. Cole and then the Beatles. Right. And then uh Beethoven the underneath that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I uh I had kind of grown into complacent disregard for J. Cole is just kind of corny and not that interesting to me. Yeah. But I, it doesn't mean I don't think he's talented. Mm-hmm. And I don't uh, antagonize his fans. I don't think that he's bad. He's just not really interesting to me. Yeah. On Friday morning... I got a phone call like at 8, 17 AM. I get a phone call from uh, once again, Kyle. Yeah. And he said, look, man, I know how you feel about J Cole, but I just listened to the first four songs. I'm pretty sure you need to put this album on. I think it might be good. And I put it on and I listened to it once through. And then two days later, I put it on while I was in the car and I listened to it once through and the first song on that album, I put it on a playlist, a.k.a. I really, really like that first song. The rest of the album, it's all right. It's better than some of the other stuff that he's put out recently. Um, certainly better than the last album he did, in my opinion. Um, but that first song slaps. What's the there name of the first it. song? Do you know what the title uh, 95 was? South. Yeah, have you listened to the album? I haven't. Um, I've seen a lot of people talk, especially like music related groups that I'm in online and stuff. Like I'm in the Sauce Gods podcast group and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. they'll bring up current hip hop and R and B albums and discuss them and stuff. And uh, so I've I've had it on my mind, but I just do not give a shit about J Cole. I'm supposed to. I know I'm supposed to because he's from North Carolina, right? So. Like living in North Carolina, I'm supposed to be all about J. Cole, you know, and I just not a single song of his has ever interested me in any way. Like, I don't think it's shitty. I'm not saying he's shitty. He just doesn't interest me at all. You know, it's like I don't have an opinion. My opinion is extremely just medium on him. Just he's just. That's what I mean. uh, Complacent. Yeah. And when I disregard him, like I'm not, yeah. I'm indifferent. Yeah. It's I'm not like, angry sure, that he exists. Like, I'm not angry that people like him. I just, I have friends that are like, he is the greatest thing that has ever created art in the world uh, of all time. And I'm like, I just don't understand what, what am I missing? So I guess I'm going to check it out um, and just see. I mean, who would you say are J. Cole's contemporaries? Like, what, what would be in the same sort of vein of what he does? Well, okay. So I think that depends on how you view it. Like he is, he's a rapper who produces his own music. So in that vein, I would say he's like big crit. Mm -hmm. 
And in that vein as well, in the sense of like Big Crit is never, Big Crit's different because I think he's a lot more regionally specific and um, his themes are different than J. Cole's themes. Like Big Crit's not trying to be, and I hate saying it this way because it's just not a better way of saying it. I don't think Big Crit's really trying to be mainstream. Uh Some of his songs he'll he'll say like, you guys claim to want somebody like me, but you don't really want somebody like me, which is why I'm not mainstream. Like J. Cole is very obviously trying to be popular. Um, and I think that that includes a different set of themes and tropes in lyrical content. Now, it's very known that I'm not that deep into lyrics just yeah. in general. I just like delivery and intonation and syncopation and then melody when it comes to considering lyrics. But J. Cole's contemporaries, as far as like who is making albums right now in the same vein, I would say like he's with like drake and kendrick and young thug in the zeitgeist of the culture right now right and most people think of kendrick as like much more thoughtful much more talented they think of drake as a lot more chameleon-esque and able to like fit in with what is happening in music right now and then like young thug is is a spearhead of like a genre bending movement and now he has a bunch of little children that are like like him and their style right whereas j cole has always kind of existed in this in my opinion popular but middle of the road sound and yeah. it is original to him. Like he's creating these yeah. sounds, but it's not, it's not a, it's, I think the reason that both of us are lukewarm about it, it's not special in any one direction. It's just good enough. Right. But it's special to but, the people that it's special to. Then that's the part. It's special, but, because, because, but part of the reason, and this is what's frustrating. The reason that people think it's special is because he did it himself. Like, oh, he went platinum with no yeah, features. It's right. like the biggest thing about it. It's like, okay, cool. Like, good for him but like there's not i'm i it's you walk away from it, it doesn't stick to your ribs the same way like that, yeah, what is unique what is new there's nothing new here yeah i agree i and i i was gonna say i would compare him to like kendrick because i, I would say he's like he's in this like uh, maybe to the weekend a little bit too um just because it's like this sort of like genre of hip-hop that's not afraid to be r&b too um yeah. uh, like it's like rappers that aren't afraid to sing i guess in a way <laughs> too you know and incorporate yeah. that sort of like m- melodic kind of thing into their work um it has a softer edge to it than some other stuff that would be out at the mm-hmm. same time um which i think it gets criticized unfairly for because i think it's great that they like have this like you know the, i like the emotion I, I, in their work you know yeah, and I don't actually criticize him for being softer because I think no. it's disingenuous when he talks about like when he tries to front about being hard. Yeah. It's like Drake yeah, trying to sure. yeah, gangster. Like, like you're not a you're a fucking actor from Degrassi. Like yeah. own your lane. Like be pop. It's okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and all those people you name that are contemporaries, I like all of them better than J. Cole. Like I really like Drake. Uh, I like Young Thug. A, a decent amount. I haven't like de- de- sure. depth in depth in his category cat- catalog, and I love Kendrick, you know. But yeah, I see why Kendrick is special. There's this like poetic aspect to his work that I'm like, oh, this is like this is something else. And like he he's not just trying to make singles. He's like saying something and you know making an album. And I just don't. I mean, I guess J. Cole's doing the same thing. I just not, I just don't get, I just don't like the product. Yeah. I, I mean, 
<laughs> Look, I, I welcome the feedback and people pointing us in directions of songs that like are better thesis statements. But like, yeah, I mean, that 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 album, Forest Hills Drive, it's it's a good album. Yeah. It is good. You know, it's it's all the way through. It's good. And when I was listening to it for the first time, I was really taken by it. I was like, oh, this is really good. And I listened to it for, you know, regularly for several weeks and months. And then I just haven't listened to them since. And every time I've been, you know, somebody has put them on, I'm like, yeah, this is fine. It's just not exciting. This most recent album, that first song is fun. It's so fun. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I'll go back to it again. I'll put it on when it's time for, like, it's a good gym album. Like, it's yeah. got some good songs for the gym and people get amped up. And um, But he's, yeah, you know, and I think that's what's surprising. I was surprised at how anthemic that first song was. Yeah. Because he doesn't have a lot of good high energy anthems, not like Travis Scott, right? Like Travis yeah. Scott's, I think that's where he's at his best is like, you've got these songs that are truly ground shakers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and can, you know, like it's like J. Cole's like, he doesn't have ground shaker anthems. He doesn't have anything that he's doing new, um, like genre wise. He's not, lyrically talented the same way Kendrick is. He's not poppy the same way Drake is. So he's just like in this middle space that's just like a maybe throwing fastballs, but that's all he's got is the fastball. And it's yeah. not a hundred miles an hour. It's like 93 miles an hour. And it's like, well, I'd rather I'd rather listen to a curveball or a breaker or you know yeah. or a hundred mile per hour fastball. Yeah, for sure. I I have the same feelings on it. And and this isn't a situation like of me going, oh fuck off sublime fans i'm like i'm not saying fuck off j cole fans i'm like tell me why i mean yes give us feedback tell me why i'm supposed to love this like tell me how to yeah. love this or why you fell in love with it because i don't i just don't care it's almost like i wish i would dislike it <laughs> but i don't i just don't yeah. like it you know it's like it's just so medium to me and i, I mean i've played his songs when i was djing you know, like, and never got any reaction from anybody in the crowd from it. Never, they never went over well at all. Um, you know, I go listen to 95 yeah. South. I'll check it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to hear what Mikey has to say about Jake Paul. Yeah, I actually am too. I'm sure he has, uh, things to say. I'm sure he'll tell us why we're yeah, wrong we'll for sure. The, the album's called The Off Season. Uh, you know, you know what Mikey's going to do is he's going to say, well, he's more like this other rapper and it's going to be like, oh my God, he's totally right. Why didn't <laughs> yeah. I think about that yeah. at the time? Yeah. You know, who's going to come in as like a huge J. Cole stand and it's going to surprise us and be like, oh, yikes. Who? Ninja T. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Ninja T will explain it to us. Hey, man. Yeah. Look, man. You gotta go listen to this song. You gotta remember Fayetteville. You know we gotta have somebody stand up for the Carolinas. Man. <laughs> I have a friend who's legitimate, legitimate favorite uh, rapper is Petey Pablo. Because well, Petey Pablo is from North up. Carolina, you know. So, I well, been... that's to be honest with you. To be honest with you, the end of that song that I'm talking about, yeah, sounds like Petey Pablo. Oh, yeah. He definitely had an influence like on, on stuff around here, but he shows up every, in town every now and then. 
He'll just be at the club. Well, look, I, you know, I appreciate y'all listening to this podcast, but the truth of the matter is, if you don't watch the OC, get the fuck out. Welcome to the OC, bitch. R.I.P. Luke. All right, this is the OC season two, episode four, the new era, and uh, we know why it's called the new era because they say that phrase five hundred thousand times. Every single character in the show, this episode says new era. It's new era. We're in a new era. I'm in a new era. This is a new era for me, et cetera, et cetera. All the way through the show. Um, it jumped the shark, I think, when Jimmy was eating a lobster roll that looked like a hot dog. And he said, I love this new era. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like, all right, come on, man. That was one too many. I was with yeah. you on the rest. So we have uh, a couple plot lines here. We're still in the sort of limbo of uh, Seth and, and Ryan are trying to find their place back in the hierarchy of school. Um, they're still not, they're not together with, uh, Marissa and Summer, you know, and they're trying to reconcile themselves with that. And they're also trying to deal with these new characters in their lives, uh, in their lives. Um, Seth has decided that he wants to get over Summer by finding a new girlfriend. And so a lot of the episode is him going, I need to find a new girlfriend. And then Ryan sort of like putting up with his sort of self-centered behavior once again, um, and Ryan's trying to figure out if he likes this girl, Lindsay, that, you know, he punched in the face last episode on accident. Uh, we have Sandy going through, you know, Sandy has has been fired from the firm that he was working for because he's representing Cal. So he's trying to figure out why Cal doesn't want to participate in this. He's like left to that. He's got fired to to represent Cal, and then Cal doesn't want to help him in representing him. And there's some deep dark secret that we haven't gotten to yet. And then we also have uh, Kirsten dealing with uh, what's her name, uh, Julie Cooper, being the CEO of the Newport Group. And you know she's supposed to be a figurehead, but she's decided she wants to be involved in the process and uh, winds up fucking a lot of things up along the way. And then she tries to fix all that um, later on in the episode. I have, I have a question for you right now. Sure. You said uh, Cal has a deep dark secret. Do yeah. you remember what it is? Uh, yes, I have a general idea. Don't spoil it, but I have a general idea of what it is. I, don't, I'm not, I just, I didn't know whether or not you would remember. And I, I didn't remember. I remember it. Like I don't know how the, the details of how it's integrated into the plot, but I do remember that uh, there is a, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So this, that's kind of the episode. Uh, we we have. Uh, uh, well, I'm leaving out part of it. The Seth and and Ryan decide to go on this double date. Um, group hang. Group hang, and that's the thing they could they cover this sort of like terminology that was hot at the time of group hang. They make fun of it, but they they're going to this killer show at the uh, at the bait shop, and uh, it's. Seth has gotten Ryan to hook him up with the Lindsay girl that he's interested in. Um, and Ryan is uh, hanging out with Olivia Wilde. Is that her name? Olivia Wilde? Olivia Wilde, the, just as a, in case you forgot, the 17 year old bar manager. Bar manager, yes. In charge with of her own bar. office. Yeah, yeah. And she's in charge of paying the bands. That's, we mm-hmm. find that out in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have this sort of like, you know, it's another chance for them to use the bait shop and they have the killers there. Um, are we going to talk about this? Uh, are we going to talk about the killers right now? Uh, I know we can get, to, we can talk about it when we get to it in your notes. I'm done with the, the recap. So where do you want to go? 
I want to start out with Marissa's outfit at the top of the show. Flat cap, plaid pants, sweater vest, jewel pin. Looks like she's going golfing. Was she wearing the hat then? That was no. That this was before the hat. She was wearing the hat at the start of the episode when she, they show up to school, and yes. then she goes to see DJ later on in the day. Like that outfit was the loudest, most extra outfit I think she's been wearing at all ever. She definitely yeah, she the had most this loud huge in, beret in, on. In two. Yeah, she had this huge beret on, like novelty. It was a flat cap. Oh well, she was wearing it like a beret. Yes, I, I wrote in my notes baguette saleswoman question mark. It's like she should have been selling baguettes or something, you know? Like it's just, oh, just like, oh, oh, she's like she looks like a mime. Like she's dressed like a mime from like a you know a French mime from an old movie. Um, yes, it was brutal. Bizarre. That brooch she had at the V of yeah, her neck. Yeah, they are oh, doing, God. doing too much. Doing too much. Um, I think they were pranking her, and they, they, I, they just went with it. Lord have mercy! I was just like, "Good God, what does she wear?" That's a costume. That's it not an outfit. We talk, you know, we talk a lot about like poor Marissa and like her mental health, and like they're not showing her drinking. Yeah, but like with an outfit like that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she started drinking early today, and just before she put her clothes on. <laughs> yeah, good. this looks good. Oh my God! Yeah, that was uh, that was intense. Um, I did want to bring up before we go too much further. Uh, once again, the show has this show, which is a network show, has some really nice artistic aspects to it. Uh, there's some really great shots in this episode. Uh, in particular, the the cold open, I guess, of the show. They're doing a follow, yeah. like a uh, like a Scorsese style follow with the camera, where the camera's following them around. It's one take; it kind of swings around to the front of the character and behind, and then they go through. And it's uh, it's Seth and Ryan talking about you know Seth wanting to find a girlfriend or whatever, and then uh, then it they kinda, go from the pool house through yeah, the kitchen yeah. to the stairs to the second floor. Yeah, and then, and then it, Sandy and Kirsten. Then it goes into Sandy and Kirsten's uh, interaction, and it sets up the whole plot of the episode in this way that is like perfect. Like, and it's all like one shot and continuous, and just a really nice shot. And um, it's like a walk and talk kind of thing. And um, there's, I don't know, just I thought that was pretty. good. No, I think that's a really. I mean, yeah, that's. that's I didn't think about it when I was watching it, but you're totally right. Like we go pool house we back into the kitchen we go through the kitchen to the stairs and then there's a transition and this actually sandy picks up on what seth says and yeah it's a new era i'm yeah you know yeah. uh working for caleb and so we've tied in the theme of the show and then we we back through sandy and kirsten back into the kitchen and then when their conversation is done is when ryan and seth come back into the kitchen and we've convened all four together yeah, it's all like um, one kind of continuous. It's a cohesive scene, and uh, it's it's there's no there's no space in the dialogue. It's just blah 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 blah, blah like just rattles through it, and it works. And it and then it goes into the intro, uh, you know. So it's like I forget yeah. what they leave it on. It's like him. It's like Seth saying some girl's name or something or her nickname, and he's like, "What about such and such? I could date her." And then they're like, "It's a new era or something." And yeah, well, they were saying like, "Would you rather me?" you know, stay home and still talk about summer. And then they're like, everybody's just like, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. perfect. It was perfect. That the, the, the show continues to have like some really artistic, like it's like they, ca they cared about the camera work. 
Um, it's like that with the the musical acts too. They do some nice camera work with that, and then um, at the end of the episode, when uh, uh, Ryan and and Lindsay are sitting on the bench, there's a nice little like crane shot around uh, them, and like I ha- yeah, and I and I said it's nice to see Ryan mm-hmm. smile at the end of the episode, but yeah. that little moment that they it was like a floating yeah, like, camera back and yeah. forth. It was great. Um, that was a really you know that was a really nice end to the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's becoming clear that the nicer the end of the episode is, whoever's featured in that scene is probably going to get it in the next one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's they let us breathe for a second, and then it's like, oh shit! Yeah, yeah. right. Yep, I got you. Um, her with the tattoo, you with the wristband. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. You're a great, a great story from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. Um, I love the reference to the wristband. I also I. I did. I even wrote her with the tattoo, you with the wristband, and then later on in the episode, I wrote, "Where is it? That fake Olivia Wilde tattoo on her arm." <laughs> oh yeah, I noticed it too. This was pre the whole tattoos becoming commonplace thing. Like this was like I think this is like a little bit before Miami Ink, which probably would have been around two thousand five or something. But like yeah. it is like this this fake ass butterfly tattoo in the very middle of her arm, which she would not get it yeah. in the middle of her arm like that. Um, yeah. It's no. very like jarring. It's shiny. Yeah. It's shiny. It's shiny. It's you know, it's sometimes like, yeah. it's shiny and, yeah. and I'm just like, that is the fakest shit I've know, ever seen. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. Uh, a 17 year old with an office at the bar. Yeah. Yep. Um, I said, I wrote Julie and Jimmy moment. J-Ho is going to love that. Love it. I, I'm here for the Julie, Jimmy, like, pep talk stuff they're doing it every episode and i'm i'm into it so oh you're really good at getting separating rich old what old rich men and their money (laughs) yeah i just love it they just shit on each other and then at the end of it they just smile and like they're like ah this is great thanks for that talk yeah Yeah, thanks for that talk (laughs) where you just hang shit over my head um just for the record lopo loves the killers I I like the killers as well. I th- I think I I knew that he loved the killers. I think I knew that. Yeah, I I was really excited to see the killers in this episode. Uh, yeah. Looking back, it's kind of impressive that they're in the episode. And I forgot. I was like, oh, this was before the killers were like the killers, um, because yeah. that album Hot Fuss uh had come out yeah. like two months before this episode aired. So it wasn't, really? and it took a while for them to like take off, you know? And so this was like uh-huh. pre them being a phenomenon. Like they were real hot about a year after this, you know? Um, so they weren't super explosive, hot. They didn't have a huge fan base yet. It was still like getting an indie band, you know, um, on the show. And so it was kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. Also, like they're singing Mr. Brightsides. And can you imagine going to a concert today where they play that song and people not singing at the top of their lungs and nobody in the crowd singing. And it's because that song was just a song. It was just a song. They hadn't even, I don't even know if they'd released it in America as a single yet. Um, I, I have written here. Brandon flowers is so young in this episode. He is. Yeah. He looks like a baby. Yeah. And all that he looks, he looks totally bored. uh, And all these indie rock bands of this era dress like business casual. Like unbuttoned dress shirt with stripes, and like you know they yeah. got into ruin to like a glam look later. They're not rock stars in this. They're just yeah. They're just th- that who they were before they got famous. You know yeah. yeah. They're trying to get put on here. Yeah. They're trying to yeah. get put on. 
Yeah. And and it was that that was really neat. That was honestly that was probably my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. I was like because I had I too have gone through my whole Killers fandom and like I still like them. I think they're great. I think Brandon Flowers is a great musician, a great songwriter, and like you said about the Cure, like he sounds the same on yeah, stage as he does, great. you know, on the album. Mm-hmm. And it was just I was I, I like saw it. Like I was watching the show, but I'm, you know, I'm paying attention to like different moments of the show. And when they first said, oh, let's go see the killers. It didn't register to me that we were going to see the killers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in you the, know, and then when yeah. I saw the, the bait shop with the marquee uh, tonight, the killers, I was like, oh my God, we're about to watch the killers. The killers. Oh. Can you imagine watching the killers in a venue that size? Be incredible. Yeah. The whole episode, I was like, stop talking, pay attention. The killers are playing. <laughs> quit talking about quit. There, why are you not paying it? This is incredible. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't know how lucky you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just shaking the like, shaking Seth. Like, stop. Talking. I love that. I love that. We've got this again. I can't get over it. A 17 year old bar manager on her night off. Yeah, working this killer. Well, going to the killer show, and Ryan saying, She's like, Do you like live music? He's like, No, not really. Really. And she stares at him as if he has murdered her firstborn and says, It's my passion. I'm like, Shut it's the fuck up. You're 17. Like, yeah. I can't get past it. Yeah. It's my passion. It's my passion. Like, you would. But we haven't like seen anything to indicate that this is her passion. I mean, usually people that work in an industry like that hate it. So, you know, I don't know. It's. I mean, whatever. It's I mean, a, I guess you know this ambitious seventeen-year-old is a job managing a music venue in, in Newport, you know, yeah. California. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, no. it's, it's her she's passion. Got her own apartment. I have in all yeah. caps underneath this note. I have an, in all caps a seventeen-year-old running a bar, <laughs> <laughs> and it's her night off because she's it's the group hang. But then she's paying the band yeah. in the end, so I'm like, oh, I guess it isn't your night off. Uh, bar manager's work is never done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, I got somebody I, had to play the band. How about that moment of that guy from the killers? Like his little acting moment. They definitely like drew straws to see who was going to have to do that scene. Yeah. And his little thumbs up to her with the cash in hand it's was like, like yeah. I was like, yeah, those guys were laughing so hard. At, and like they it didn't seem like they wanted to be there. And it seemed like they were making a joke out of it themselves yeah. and like so bored on stage. And then that guy was like the drummer or something. He's like, yeah. OK, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. How many takes did that take? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are all the notes that I had. I, I, I thought it was a good, you know, let's let's continue to drive this plot forward episode without too much nonsense. I, I really enjoyed, you know, the Cheetos, you know, kind of like let's give up, you know, Sandy, like Cheetos on his shirt. And then well, I don't understand what they were doing in that room. Like that room had no furniture except the one chair. Was that the the chair that the, the room where we used to watch them play video games? I don't think so because I think that room's off the other side of the kitchen. Um we haven't addressed the renovation. It's just the renovation, but they haven't filled it in with stuff yet i guess they want us to still see that it's still being renovated or something but yeah it's kind of weird i guess yeah um yeah i also had i have a couple more notes um frittata (laughs) frittata frittata it's a great frittata frittata. Uh, it made me think of the league because they always call people frittatas in the league um and uh yeah caleb just keeps wanting to order yeah hello on the headphones. All right, we're good. Um, yeah, it's, it's Caleb says great frittatas here when he's trying to like 
you know, get him and Sandy are eating lunch. Um, Zach had a nice, well, number one, <laughs> I love that Zach's nickname has gone from Zach Attack to Ducky. Um, and number two, uh, Zach has a moment where he's like frustrated that Summer's been talking about Seth all night and he's like, I'm just going to go jump off the pier. <laughs> Seth comes out and he's like, I need to talk to you, Summer. And Zach's just like, uh, I'll just go jump off the pier. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really know. Good. We didn't really know how, like, gosh, it was, it was, there were two things happening at the same time during that group hang. One was the classic trope of like, these two couples should just go ahead and switch. Yeah, they were with the wrong. And then the other trope of like, Summer can't stop talking about Seth and Seth can't stop talking about Summer. These yeah. two, you know, they need to just go ahead and get back together. To the people that they're seeing, they're hanging out with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was that. Um, some good music in this episode. Uh, just some musical cues. We had Smile Like You Mean It by The Killers, which eventually gets covered on that OC Covers album. Um, that's the killer song that gets covered. Um, and then Mr. Brightside, of course, um, by The Killers. And Everything Will Be Alright by The Killers, which is a little bit lesser known song by them, but um, kind of a pensive thing. There was uh, yeah. uh, On Your Way by The Album Leaf. The Album Leaf showing up again. I think that's one of Josh Schwartz's favorite bands. Um, that was one of the songs towards the end. It was like a singer songwriter thing. Um, and then my favorite pinback song was in this, uh, a song called Fort- Fortress, um, which is off of their Great Summer in Abaddon album, um, which is out around the same time. I think this is the episode that got me into pinback because I think I heard that and was like, what is that? And uh, yeah, it's, it's early in the episode. It plays when they're going to school or whatever and talking over top of it. Um, but pinback is a really great underrated indie rock band. Um, and then in the final scene, they played Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own by U2 over that final scene where they're, uh, you know, wrapping everything up for the, the episode. So. He was trying to get put on at the same time. Yeah. Well, U2 was just a small indie band at the time, so they wanted to yeah. get represented on the show. Yeah. About to make Joshua Tree. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I live in U2's world. U2's. <laughs> what a great joke that'll go down in history um yeah so that's the musical update of the episode we have that performance by the killers and they played three songs this time instead of well the walkman got two songs i guess so yeah well i'm time for me to go back to work all right well me too uh, you can check us out at our shitty website, IOLTOS.com. Email us your thoughts on J. Cole. I'm on like their old stuff at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Spotify and sometimes other uh, places where there are podcasts. Uh, thanks. We out. Just enjoy another episode. I only like it once. We'll see you next time. Have a good night.